0: Hi everyone, welcome to True You Podcast, a storytelling space for self-discovery, where we use this safe and brave space to address racial trauma and healing for black women through our own lived experiences. I'm Kelly, and this is my co-host.
1: Hi, I'm Debbie, and we're a mother-daughter team having real conversations about real issues shared by and for black women, because we have something to say.
0: Yes, we do. And this month, I'm so happy. Um, We're moving towards the holiday season, and it really brings me joy. brings joy to my soul. um, Anticipating like the family get-togethers, the food, of course, and um, just you know being together um, um, as as just family. It makes me feel really warm inside, Um, and so I'm starting to feel that right now. Um, But yeah, I'm feeling really good today. Um, So. I just want to ask Mom, how are you feeling today?
1: I'm actually doing pretty good. I, I think seeing, seeing Keisha's uh, tree kind of got me excited. Uh, getting ready for the holidays, and uh, it's, it's just really exciting. I love uh, when we get together as family and, have, and break bread together. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm doing good. Well, Thank
0: absolutely. You. Yes, LaKeisha is bringing in the holidays today. Uh, I'm excited. This is our special guest, LaKeisha, just my, one of my besties, my numero uno home skillet, uh, <laughs> all of the above. But uh, hi, LaKeisha, how are you feeling today?
2: Hello, Kel Bell, that's right. <laughs> Hello, excited to be here too. Really humbled by the experience and the opportunity. So I'm just excited to share in this um wonderful podcast it's it's humbling for me i'm so excited about it for you all as well
0: thank you thank you um so last month we we talked about organ donations in the black community and that conversation was so deep and rich um that we learned a lot. So I really felt that we needed to do a part two. And so today's title is Dialysis in the Black Community, which is um, a great topic, again, because there's been Great disparities when it comes to African Americans or or Black people in kidney disease, and so we are grateful to be able to spend some time talking with another professional in the healthcare industry, and um, that's that's Keisha, who is our our nurse, who is a nurse educator, and um, she sees the effects of. Kidney disease firsthand on a daily basis. Um, so I want to ask you, um, how did you start in the field?
2: Lakeisha? Well, um, after a lengthy career working from home in health information management and getting my son through high school, I decided that I wanted to go back to school for nursing. Which is uh, little to know. I don't remember if you when we graduated high school, I went to nursing school and. They had us feel a cadaver. They had us feel the inside of it, and I kind of felt like this muscle and I panicked and dropped out of the class like, "Oh no, this isn't for me, right?" So, after all these mm-hmm. years, I decided to go back to school for nursing um, and just you know, put me first at that time. I had gotten my son through school. um and so after graduating nursing school, and passing my NCLEXs I just started to you know um apply anywhere and to be honest with you the dialysis facility was the first place to call back <laughs> so that's why I took that job to be honest with you it was just my first nursing opportunity and so I took it um and I just at that time thought it was going to be something that you know got my feet wet got me in the door got the experience I needed to climb up the ladder and throughout that time, I did um, go and do several other things, ER nursing, psychiatric nursing, long-term acute care, done a lot of things. But I kept my foot in the dialysis door. And um, little did I know that it would be um, the center or the upper heart of my career. So um, I've done, in my dialysis career, I've worked um, in center dialysis, where I've worked with patients that come to the center three times a week for their dialysis treatment. Um, And then I've done home therapies in which we teach patients to do their own dialysis at home. So they perform their own dialysis at home. Um, We train them and a care partner, whether it be their spouse, their parent, or their uh, child or whoever. And then, most recently, for the last couple years, I've been an educator, and so I go around to different clinics, just making sure that new staff and incumbent staff are providing safe, quality, um, comprehensive care for our patients.
1: Wow, that's great! Uh,
2: Love it, love it.
1: (laughs) That's one. That's one. Yeah, thank you, Lakeisha. I'm, I'm a little um, interested. You, and you indicated that you go to their homes to teach them how to do dialysis at home what is there I mean the same kind of equipment at the center they can have in their homes as well
2: well we they have a dialysis machine but it's much smaller okay um and it's their personal machine it's it's much smaller because it's one that they can even travel with on vacation we have patients that do dialysis in rv where they're camping Um, uh, so it's a smaller machine, but what it looks like is they'll come to the center with me for about six weeks and I'll train them and perform their dialysis in a room in the back. So for the first week or so, I'm doing it while they're watching me and teaching them. And then after that, they're doing it on their own in center. And then their final day, um, of training with me, we go to their home and we take all of that equipment with them And deliver it to their home. And there's some testing. We would have undergone their water testing and everything. Um, But we deliver those machines to their home. And they have to perform every. Do their own dialysis at home. Before I release them. Just to show me that they can do it. Oh that's amazing. Yeah. So the government is pushing for more patients. To be home um, dialysis patients. As opposed to in center. So that's the push That's the ask. It's been the ask for a couple years and I think it always gets pushed back. And so that's something that they're still working towards. CMS is working towards.
1: Well, wow, that's that is great to know. I had no idea that 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 was possible to be able to do your own dialysis at home.
2: Mhm. They do very yes. well actually.
1: So, wow, that's amazing. Well, thank you uh for sharing that. I know uh Moving on to the second topic though, last month we talked about, um, you can't reverse kidney disease. Right. And once you have it, you're going to be on that dialysis machine, dialysis machine the rest of your life. Um, what, you know, can, can you explain and give us a little bit more detail as to what that means to someone who is going through dialysis and their new, it's a new lifestyle. It's a lifestyle change.
2: It is. It is very much a new lifestyle. Um, There there are a couple levels to this. Um, First of all, what people need to understand, there are two forms of kidney failure. And what we've got is acute kidney injury, which is more um, sudden. And those causes of that are things like trauma, um, infection, toxins, medications, things that just cause great immediate danger or harm to your kidneys, and they just need a break. And so what's happening is we're going to put you on dialysis for a little bit with the hopes that your kidneys will will regain function. Um, those are quick injuries. But then those, uh, and it's a sudden, sudden thing, it just comes on fine. You were okay until whatever it was, whether it was a trauma, whether it was an accident or whatever, you were okay until then. So it's something that happened suddenly. Now, when we're talking dialysis um, long-term, we're usually talking CKD or chronic disease uh, kidney patients. And what that is, is it's a a slow onset and a slow progression. Um, And that one is not reversible. Um, And the causes of that, Usually, um, there are a lot of different causes for it, but the two main risk factors are diabetes and hypertension. Um, And so when we speak about it being a chronic and slow progression, we may be talking years, months, or so forth, but we say uh, stage one, um, mild damage. Stage two, mild to moderate. Stage three. mild to severe, stage four severe. And then by the time you're stage five, your lab values, your GFR, their their, uh, glomerular filtration rate is below 15. At stage five is generally when we start um, the diagnosis of in-stage renal disease and dialysis treatment. Um, You have to think about the different functions of what your kidney does so when we think about what our kidneys do we think about they excrete the waste products right they regulate our electrolyte balances right um our fluid balance um blood pressure all of those things are things that our kidneys do and so when we think of diabetes when we think of um hypertension those are all things that our kidney help to regulate. So when our kidneys are long, no longer functioning, for example, we're retaining a lot of fluid because we're not excreting it out. When you are, your kidneys aren't functioning, you're not excreting any extra fluid. And so because you can't excrete it, your body is retaining all of the bad things that we should normally be excreting, the sodium, the... um the potassium, all of those things that we would normally excrete when we urine, we can no longer do that. And just the fluid alone, um, the fluid alone can cause your blood pressure to just skyrocket. Skyrocket. The fluid alone, you will see swelling and edema, the shortness of breath, troubled breathing. All of those things are signs that your kidneys are starting to fail. Um, And so again, that's what we call um chronic or CKD and that's what leads up to end stage renal disease um did that help or did that answer the question a little bit
1: absolutely i i didn't realize i didn't i didn't understand the difference i didn't know there was a sudden onset and mm-hmm. then there's the one that that progresses as as you go along. Yes. I appreciate you sharing that because I had no idea. So then, when when there's an accident, a car accident, or or maybe someone uh, made a mistake with their medication for a long time, and that would be something that's a sh- short time uh, that mm-hmm. you may have to go on on kidney dialysis. Okay. Well, right. that, that explains a lot. Get, yeah,
2: yeah. Sometimes in the hospital, sometimes you're on really strong antibiotics or really strong medications and you're fighting between the two. Do we administer the medication? No, but we're watching, trying to see what it's doing to your lab values, to your kidneys and so forth. But sometimes it just takes it out. And so in that instance, you're going to be what we consider or, or hopeful is that it's just acute kidney injury. And then we can, you know, give your kidneys a break. And then they'll recover.
1: Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Thank, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> taught me a lot. <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm.
0: So, can you explain? Um, because like <clears throat> we did say that this was a lifestyle change. So. With that being the case, like, how is their life changing? How often do they need to have dialysis? How long does it take? Okay. What can they, what can't they do now that they're on dialysis? Okay.
2: Well, it depends. Okay. So when we're talking in-center, if their choice, first of all, let's talk about the fact that um, when we talk lifestyle, we always give them the option and um, different mod- modalities. So there are different modalities depending on what your comorbidities are, There's peritoneal dialysis, there's in-center dialysis, there's home dialysis. Um, There are different options, different ways, different methods or different modalities. So in some form, one way of it is dialysis. Another Mm -hmm. form or modality or another option that you may have is um, transplant that you guys talked about last week. So. Maybe you can get a transplant and not be on dialysis. Another thing that we talk about um, is actually just hospice care. Some people have chosen that this is not what they want to do. And that is a conversation that everyone has the right to have. So um, because honestly, dialysis is a huge life adjustment. So if you choose to go in center, you're generally looking at a schedule that's usually three times a week, about four hours each treatment. Um, and that's for in center. When we are talking home therapies, patients that choose, well, you know what, I'm going to do my own dialysis at home. Because we um, are sending them home We're reducing the amount that we're allowing them to pull. And that's just, um, there are different reasons for that. um, And it's better for them. It's less stress on their heart to be pulling less fluid. Um, If they do choose home, generally you're on dialysis five days a week when you choose to do dialysis at home. But Mm. whether you're in center or home, um, we do monitor your lab values. And so there may be a little bit of wiggle room for how often you may have to do dialysis based on what your lab values are looking like. Um, Lifestyle change, I try to to get uh, patients to understand that, you know, and usually when they're first diagnosed, it's a very hard thing for them. They're walking into this center with a whole bunch of people with a new diagnosis They're generally pretty sick um, when they start dialysis, whether it's acute or chronic. Um, And it's just so hard to realize that this is what my life has come to. I'm sitting in this chair watching my blood go through this machine. Um, And so there are a lot of things that come with that, um, depression and so forth. So I encourage those that are not really, you know, that don't have a lot of different comorbidities, If you can continue to work, we have. I have a lot of patients that live a normal life with work. They continue to keep up with church and their outside activities, Um, vacationing. Um, You cannot uh, now think about it. Their kidneys are no longer functioning. Your kidneys, my kidneys, they function every day. So we're always excreting fluid. We're always. Um, releasing toxins and getting our body is filtering the bad things out. But theirs only works when they're on the machine. Their kidney isn't working. We have a dialyzer that we call their kidney. So they are only being cleaned and fluid is only be, being removed from them three times a week. So when we think about going on vacation, we have to also um, let them know that you can't be missing treatment. You can't have this buildup of fluid or toxins there um, because it can be um, very dangerous for them. They could, death could happen. So if they, you miss too much dialysis. So generally what we do is we have centers all over the country and we arrange for you to have your treatments there. If you decide you want to go to Gatlinburg, okay, you give me a month, let me know ahead of time, and I'm going to call a center there, and I'm going to arrange for you to have treatment there while you're there on vacation so that you can still enjoy it, so that you don't build up fluid or anything else like that. Um, it is hard for them to realize that four hours out of my day, I can't be with my the rest of the travel. Right. I'm you're here. still... But it's still possible for you to vacation. Um, Even those that have chosen to do home therapies, we don't have to set up a center for you. You take your machine right with you. We ship your supplies there, your solution there, and you get on that machine whenever you feel like it. So um, we, as much as possible, I encourage, especially the younger patients, Um, We have patients now that are coming in in their 20s and 30s. It just seems to get younger. To keep up with as much as they can. Um, I think that that helps their mental, because when they're mentally um, depressed or their, their mental psych is challenged, then you start to see problems with compliance, and that begins to affect their physical portion, their health portion because they're not coming to treatment as they should yeah
0: wow that's really heartbreaking that for especially someone so young to Mm -hmm. to have that that's an extreme lifestyle change Mm -hmm. um no matter the age but when you think about someone in their 20s Mm -hmm. it's really hard to um to adjust i'm sure Mm -hmm. so we, like you said about the dialysis clinics and I'm noticing them, they're popping up on almost every corner. Um I especially see them in like the black low income communities. So I just wonder, it's because I was doing a little research and they were talking about how, which, you know, it makes sense that there, there are so many dialysis clinics because this is where the the kidney disease rates are higher so you would expect to see them where where the community needs them um when it comes to the kidney disease but on the other hand i'm starting i wonder if um we aren't focusing more on why we're not focusing more on that the pre-dialysis the kidney care and putting more money in the efforts of preventive medicine and and preventive care and i think there's like a probably very, a thin line. Um, um, so I just was wondering, do you think like these are, could be predatory practices or, or, or corporate greed? And um, what's your thoughts on this? And so um, I'll ask you my first. I know Lakeisha gave you a little break.
1: I too did a, a little research and I'm not sure about predatory. I have noticed quite a few um, kidney dialysis centers up and down Uh, various communities where there are more a majority of African Americans. However, I did do a a little research on, um, was it the National Kidney Foundation, they did, they eliminated the algorithms that perpetuate that racial bias in healthcare. And they they had been using some type of a racial modifier and they had all had used it for so long to interpret kidney disease and function uh, to be delivered, to, to be eliminated. And so the modifier, they're saying is the existence of, of uh, was never grounded. It was never grounded in scientifically valid conclusions. And it resulted in a lower detection of kidney disease among black people. Uh, and so that it reduced uh intervention and it delayed nephrology referrals and slower access to transplants and so when when you think about something like that, that does to me sound like something predatory, but they did make changes as a result of that. This happened back in december of twenty twenty one and so they examined the role of race and its its fundamental. Diagnose algorithm, and uh, they made those changes, which was good. But at the same time, they've been using these algorithms all these years. And now all of a sudden, you know, we have all of these African, you know, a lot of African Americans that have this kidney disease, but they're finding out that it's because they had not been getting the referrals that they needed because of the algorithms that they had been using. And so the National Kidney Foundation's, the Health Equity Advisory Committee, they are uh, supporting those efforts and they're working with other organizations to strengthen those diagno- diagnosis that they used for kidney disease while improving the kidney disease library test la- I'm sorry, laboratory testing. So it sounds like there was some laboratory testing. That was not functioning the way it should have, and it did result in some predatory uh, type um, predatory um, practices. And but at least it looks like it's been looked at or changed. I, I'm not sure if anyone else had read had read about the. Um, those algorithms uh Lakeisha or Kelly did you did you read anything about the um algorithms? no I
0: didn't read about the algorithms um I just read in terms of they they did a study in this black people tend to live longer older black people tend to live longer on dialysis mm-hmm. than white people um which was interesting and um but not younger black people black people but um so I found that to be interesting and then that's why I was kind of connecting. like hmm if they're living longer and these dialysis clinics are popping up and maybe that's why you know they're using these clinics you know since we black people are living longer that's more money um so I don't know it's just something to think about when um and I think you know a lot of times we're you know as black people you know we don't trust these systems, anyway, so I just thought that was interesting, and that's why I thought I would get your mm-hmm. input on that. Um, Lakeisha, did you have any thoughts on that?
2: Well, I think definitely there's multiple layers or many and many layers right. um, to an appropriate response for that question. Um, I definitely believe that we have a lot of disparity across the board, especially within healthcare, it's very noticeable. Um, as we state, uh, you driving down the black and brown community. You see dialysis centers popping up left and right. Um, I do believe um, when when we think of healthcare disparities, five different healthcare disparities include what mortality, as you talked about, Kelly uh, Kelly life expectancy, the burden of disease, mental health. Uninsured or underinsured, mm-hmm. and lack of access to care. Um, and then also just knowledge, healthcare knowledge, um, or healthcare education level, which is completely different than a school education level. Um, when we think of those things, um, and the mere fact that diabetes and hypertension are the two leading causes for uh, uh, end stage renal disease. I think that because we have, as a black and brown community, um, not always the best healthcare or the best access to healthcare, we are challenged with getting to the physician's offices. We are challenged with lots of stigma within our own community. We are challenged with Um, Not having the insurance to be able to take the medication, even when we are prescribed insulin to help with our diabetes or blood pressure medication to help with our blood pressure. Sometimes we're faced with, am I feeding my family or am I taking my medication? And so because of this, because of this, Mm -hmm. our outcome is that um, end stage renal disease more often. Um, I think it's just a little bit of when we look at what the healthcare disparities are, and you look at, for instance, um, all of the new, you know, when they were talking about closing down the Whole Foods grocery store in one of our communities, um, uh, not having real grocery stores for them to get healthier foods, the produce and things like that. Instead, they're eating the fast foods, which are on every corner, two and three restaurants on every corner. These are things that are Definitely impacting their health and putting them towards the diagnosis of uh, the diagnosis of hypertension or, you know, diabetes, which lead to yeah. CKD and ESRD. Mm-hmm. So I think there are a couple things for that. Um, definitely the disparities within. Health. Thank yeah. you.
0: Yeah, you you've absolutely hit some mm-hmm. some major points. I'll pass it to um, you, Mom. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, just, I mean, I really appreciate everything you've shared thus far. Uh, Lakeisha, you are so knowledgeable in so many different areas. And I just, I, I guess I'd like to kind of take a look at what are some of the measures that we can take to prevent kidney disease as an African-American community? What are some of the preventive measures that we can take?
2: Definitely, um a healthier diet and exercise, right? Easier said than done, right? I always tell my patients and I tell my new hires this, you know, when you're dealing with patients and sometimes we'll get really um, overweight patients in, but a lot of times it's fluid. And I'll tell them, you can't be judgmental because they will, even though we tell them you can't eat on the machine, you can't drink on the machine. They're bringing these big gulps, full of cups and Water, Because as a dialysis patient, generally you're not drinking more than 32 ounces of fluid a day. But what I remind people is don't be such so judgmental ag- against a patient when uh, or a person when it comes to food. It's not an easy habit to kick. When they have drugs or alcohol, you don't ever have to be around those again. If you've made up your mind that I'm kicking those things out of my life. You don't have to go on that corner anymore. You don't have to go to the liquor store. You don't have to be around liquor ever. You don't have to have it in your house at all. But food, you've got to be around. And that is a great temptation. It's not easy to say, don't eat this, when this is what you've been eating for 50 years. It's not easy to say, you can only have this much fluid. That's not easy. Um, So definitely... If we can start with our younger generation, teaching them healthier eating habits, the lower sodium um, And my I can taste salt like that, like instantly on my food because because of my career, I have started to cut back on certain things. And sodium was one of them. So now when I cook, I use very little salt um, looking at. Um, the containers your when the the labels the food labels when you're in the grocery store you'd be amazed at how many people think that the sodium being just for an example 180 or or 300 they're thinking that that is for the entire package as opposed to one serving so if you've got mm-hmm. a whole thing of bologna they're thinking that sir, that that label It's for the whole package and not the serving. Um, So I think that helping our children learn what healthy is like um, by incorporating some of those things in their diet. Exercising simple. It doesn't mean that you have to go and do all the strenuous exercise. Just some walking. Um, Compliance with medication, whatever it may be. You know, um, knowledge is also power. Gain that knowledge. Whatever their, you know, your doctor gives you a diagnosis, let me go Google it. Let me go and find out about it. Um, They referred me to this physician. Okay, normally, if I were to go to a beautician, I'm going to look, look, I need three opinions. Can this person do hair? (laughs) We need to do the same thing when we're talking about our physicians, right? Get you some second and third opinions and find out. Find somebody that you can trust. If you don't like this person, that doesn't mean just don't go to the doctor. That means go to somebody else. Get you another opinion. But when you have that diagnosis and you know that it's there, you know that you have hypertension, you know that you have diabetes, and your own efforts of healthy eating and exercises are not enough, Please be compliant with whatever other regimen that they are putting into you, whether it be medication, whatever they may have done. They may send you to a psychologist to help with your eating habits or whatever. Whatever it is they are asking you to do, we are just asking for compliance. That is what's going to help with some of the preventative. Once you get to, as we stated, CKD, once you get to stage five, you can't go back to four, three, two, one. It doesn't work that way. So when you're at one or two, it's when you need to slow it up. That's when you really need to hone in and and maintain and prevent it from getting any further. Because once we're to five, we can't go back. So definitely gain the knowledge. Go ahead.
1: No, no. I just like what you what what you shared about not using sodium and making sure you're reading the backs of those labels. A lot of people think that you know you can have the whole thing. You're right, and and it's just those few calories or or that sodium. But but you're right. There's a there's a serving level on every on every package, and and that is so um, important that people take a look at that as well. But also, um, I think you know even just drinking, if we can teach our children and that's where it starts. Cause I noticed with my, my grandkids, they love water. They will drink water and a lot of, and they'll, they'll want that more so than they would uh, apple juice. And they don't really need that apple juice. If they drink in that water, that's good. So I love, I love I the idea of measurements, measuring things and making sure that, that we're in compliance with what, um, the doctor has, has told us, and I like the idea also of, of, of checking up on them, you know, get three opinions. Thank you for that. I appreciate it,
2: Lacacia. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, with the holidays coming around, we think about it. It's tradition. It's just me. I'm already thinking about what Thanksgiving dinner is going to look like, right? But that's where we are. That's, that's what our history is. Right. Um, and so I always teach people that everything in moderation. Um, but I think too, that we have, um, Within the black and brown community, I mean, we fry a lot of food and we're eating the hog moths and the ham moths and the pork chops and all of those things that we were growing up with are things that are affecting us greatly. Um, So if we can teach our youth younger, um, one of the things that I used to do with my son is something different day. And so, every every, once a week we had to have something that we had never eaten before so we would go to a grocery store and get a fruit that we had never seen before like i'm like what is this thing with little hair whiskers on it i don't know but we're gonna try it (laughs) you'd be amazed at what you like if you just try it and opposite of that you'd be amazed as to how little salt and sugar you really require once you start to decrease on it intentionally Little by little, you eventually don't even require that much. And you can taste it when it's in there. Mm -hmm. So just healthier habits and helping them develop. Thank you. Yes. I love
0: it's it cool. um I just want to correct myself I, I I was doing some research um like I said earlier and I want to make sure that I'm not giving any false information so where I was researching about the dialysis clinics that was the Loyola um University Chicago and when I learned about um the statistics for how many um the um that blacks um are likely to live longer on dialysis that was the journal American Journal um it was the American Journal of Kidney Disease. So wanted to make sure that I was correct on that. Um, so if anyone wants to look at it for themselves, that we're not giving any false information. Um, but I want to thank you so much for all the information that you've given so far. Um, La- Lakeisha has been, so, I mean, open. I've learned new things today. I can honestly say that. But um, I do want to something that we do on this podcast is that we always we do touch on um, identifying trauma um, and but we also when you speak about trauma, we also need to get to the healing and what do we need for racial healing? And so something we always ask our guests is, um, what do they think they need for racial healing? So in this case, and in, in, in light of our conversation, I wanted to know, um, what is something that you think that the black community needs for racial healing when it comes to dialysis, when it comes to trusting healthcare, when it comes to, to the stigmas and all those things that you've already mentioned?
2: Um, I'll say this, um, again, knowledge, awareness and accountability. You, you don't just trust somebody that you don't know, right? And so I want, us, my, my staff, um, my patients trust me because I've demonstrated certain qualities to them. I communicate with them and then I empower them. Like I give them this and then I tell them, come back, let's talk about it, right? Um, I need, what I'd like to see is in order for you to trust your healthcare physician or healthcare partner, in order for your healthcare experience to be more beneficial, you've got to understand your part of it. And so when you understand it, It's very little that somebody's going to be able to pull over on you, right? You need to know your body. Know your body. Know when something is going wrong. Know how to use that internet to find out everything that they are saying and get those opinions. And if you do not have confidence, if you don't know that what this person has said is right to you and you don't like it or you don't see anything happening and things aren't going right. Leave, leave and go find you someone that you can trust. You know, I there are there are some physicians that sometimes, um, how can I say this? I have um, a personal family member whose physician was ready to retire, and I I couldn't figure out for the life of me how my uncle ended up on dialysis. I kept telling him, your legs are so huge. They're huge. You've got so much fluid going on. And I would give him all these things. And I'm like, I think your kidneys are failing. Your blood pressure's crazy. But this doctor did nothing. Just kept giving him medication. My uncle par- wasn't doing his part either. He wasn't doing his part either in following up on things. But later, this physician retired. And here you are on dialysis. So I think you need to, if you don't trust what they're giving you, then you need to go somewhere else to someone that you do trust so that they can give you the care needed and that you feel comfortable enough following them. If you're not comfortable following them, you're not going to benefit from any treatment because you're not going to comply with it. You're not going to trust it. And it's just going to be at a standstill. So I think just finding somebody that you can trust is really important, but you can't trust someone that you know nothing about. So I encourage people to really yeah. be their own personal advocate and, 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 and open up their mouths and, and learn that healthcare knowledge is powerful. We're not saying, I know that it's a whole completely different language. I'm not asking you to be a nurse. I'm not asking you to be a, do- a doctor. But there's a wealth of information out there that would, you know, help simplify and give you what you need to say, oh, this makes sense, you know, or reach out for help when you don't have it. So I just think that um, just the healthcare awareness is, is what you need and accountability. I think that I don't care what anybody else, at the end of the day, you're the person that ends up on dialysis. This is your life. You have to take accountability for it and know what's going on.
0: Thank you.
1: Yeah, Lakeisha, it sounds like what you do too is you you develop a relationship with your pa- patients with all the time that you spend with them. And, you know, th- this has been amazing just hearing um, some of, and, and, the, and they're like everyday suggestions. There's nothing that they can't do. And being able to do the research, um, and I know at my, you know, there are, certain age ranges that we don't know how to use the internet Um, prayerfully that they have family members that can help them to do the research. But I see uh, with you, Lakeisha, you are definitely um, in it to help your patients get better. And because of the time you spend with them, the relationships are built and they trust you. And that's, that's what I'm hearing is, is trust. Amen. Thank you so much, LaKeisha.
2: Yes, I try to give to them. I look at them and and like I said, this is personal for me. My grandmother was on dialysis. I've had two uncles on dialysis. Um, this is something that, you know, we all probably know someone that's on it are gonna be on, going to be on it. And so just this little bit of education has given you all a lot of information. It doesn't take a lot. You don't need a nursing degree. You don't need a doctorate's degree. You don't have to be a dietician. It's just very little things that can make a huge difference and impact um, whether you're on dialysis or not. <laughs> so,
1: Amen. Amen. Well, that, that does it for us today. Kelly, anything else you want to share before we uh, wrap it up? Anything else? For no, you? I'm just
0: it's- extremely grateful for this information today and yeah. being able to just have a nice conversation and and feel like um we're we're all being educated and something we could let our family members know and any and our friends know who you know we see might be going on that path like listen yeah. you know um um and anyone listening like if you know someone please share this information it's you know it's life or death it is so um yeah so just i'm just extremely grateful
2: so
1: i am too so grateful for lakeisha and her and i call all uh anyone that comes on and they talk about what they do uh, what god has blessed them with i call it a ministry and this is your ministry lakeisha so thank you so much for coming on and sharing your ministry with us we want to thank everyone for listening I want to thank our special guest again for 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 the work that she's put in and for joining us today. So grateful for you being here. We wish all of you peace and love and blessings and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Amen. Yes.
0: Bye everyone.
2: Bye bye. Bye. Thank you, Lakeisha. Thank you.
0: True You is brought to you by Radiant Vessels and sponsored by Provisal Partners for Health.